0: Hello and welcome. My name is Jake Kerr. I'm your host of today's Black Ink Podcast number eight. Now look, I don't have any topics specifically planned out, but I do want to say a bit of a disclaimer. Everything that you hear on these podcasts is purely my opinion. It's not based off information. It's not based off scientific research. It's based off 28 years of experience living the life that I've lived. So if you don't agree with me, you can stop listening and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Now. What I would like to talk about today is a little topic I had a chat with a friend about just recently. I'm not going to get into who it is because who it is isn't important. And to be honest, you probably don't know them. But what I spoke about with this person is a particular group of people that have now kind of uh, all decided to reside in one area. And I'm sure this area has always attracted this sort of person. But I feel like society has taken such a dog leg in the direction That humanity was kind of taking for a minute there and we've gone into a really weird space and this particular geographical location just seems to really attract this particular sort of person now if you know the space and if you know these sorts of people i won't really have to say too much and the crazy part is if you're from this space or if you are one of these people you're going to get really offended and that's fine that's fine that's what it's about because you know taking offense to something is a choice so you're deciding to have a problem with me And that's all good. You're making that decision because you're defending a way of life that you've chosen for whatever reason. And that's all good. So if you're from Fremantle, I'm not saying I have a problem with you. I'm saying you have a problem with yourself. Because I feel like now, if I want to walk through Fremantle, which is a western suburb of Perth, I think it's like a, is it southwestern? I don't know. It's a major port for, it's like where the port is for Perth. And obviously because of that has a lot of transport, has a lot of, uh, you know, money. You can definitely spend a million dollars quite easily on, on a piece of property there. And for some reason, it's got a lot of people wearing clothes that they think are fashionable, but they're actually just closer to like buying one, one garment of every style from the salvos and then putting it together as an outfit and saying that, oh yeah, this is Fremantle style or this is, I don't know. Or like getting a bowl cut and then having like a rat's tail come out of it and then getting like sinner tattooed on their throat and saying that that's fashion. I think it's confusion, to be honest. I think people who defend this ridiculous way of dressing and like kind of lifestyle in general where they really embrace like being dirty. And I'm not going to say being a hippie because I think being a hippie is kind of a little bit more uh, interesting and cooler than what they're doing. I feel that what they defend is this, uh, I'm going to say lack of self-confidence in a communal sense. And I say that because it seems to be that, look, you get one out of every 10 people there that, you know, falls into the category of attractive and when I say attractive I mean plain and simple they have the uh, symmetry and bloody bodily features of of someone who is classically seen as attractive and this might blow your mind but it kind of falls into this area of like not being fat having a normal haircut having nice colour eyes having nice teeth just things like that things that as, as a whole humans have agreed that that's more attractive than someone who is filling the gap. I don't want to dig my own grave here, but fill in the gap. And it seems to be these people go and wear their fucking flare jeans and their oversized shirt. And the best part is when they wear stuff from other, other kind of fashion scenes. Like they'll wear a massive oversized Harley shirt and they've don't even have someone in the family that rides a Harley. Like, hey, don't wear a thrasher tee if you don't skate. It's that simple. Anyway, they just seem to be, like, one person will go and get the the bullshit fucking haircut, whatever's going on. They'll come home and then everyone else will be like, oh, wow, like, you look amazing. You look amazing. Oh, fuck. And then they go out and they get a more ridiculous haircut. They're like, oh, yeah, well, I've got the side cut on both sides and a fringe and my hair still goes down halfway down my back. Okay, cool. So now you've ruined your hair in the name of competing with fucking idiots. Man, what's going on? What's actually going on? And I feel like all these people, like, and obviously, man, these are just like bizarre, bizarre generalizations, and I fucking love it. I live in generalization. People who want to protest things, how come they all hang out in Fremantle? And how come when they pop up on my Facebook, on my Instagram, or whatever, they're doing protesting from like the 70s. They're standing at the front of somewhere with a fucking sign that says like what they're protesting. Like, you know what's heaps better than what you're doing? You can go and get a job. With that time that you've got, instead of worrying about, you know, whether you can plait your pubes or whatever, just go and get a fucking job, right? Put on normal shoes that don't have any holes in them, button up your shirt, non-ironically, tuck it in into pants that fit, get a nice belt, not a fucking alligator skin one, just a nice belt and go get a job, right? Cuz the bizarre part about 2021 is stay with me here, this is going to be really confusing to follow. You'll get a job, right? That job will pay you money, and I know you need 70% of that money to fucking eat vegan and and you know, fill in all the fucking bullshit blanks that you waste your money on. But then with that last little bit of money you've got left over, and the time that you've got on the weekends or after work, because you're so passionate about this thing that you were protesting before, you can start a Facebook page, right? Stay with me. And on that Facebook page, you can grow a community. And with the money left over from your bullshit vegan diet, you can spend that on Facebook advertising. You can even outsource really smart people to make beautiful creatives that you can then pay for Facebook to put in front of fucking whoever you want. You can say, right, Facebook, I think the people who affect my cause the worst, are 18 to 25 year old males, and Facebook will deliver it straight to those people for you. As long as you pay, as long as you got the money to pay, it'll go straight to them. And instead of annoying someone while they're trying to get a fucking double tender box at KFC, you'll attack them while they're sitting on their couch eating it. You'll attack them in their home. That's kind of like almost a more effective way of communicating with the people you're trying to communicate with. And instead of looking like a fucking idiot, with red paint all over yourself, you'll be making a difference. Because instead of attaching your face to what you're trying to do and therefore creating an emotional connection with that person in the wrong way, you're just going to do the same thing that the corporations you have a problem with do and create an entity that then delivers that message for you and you're going to fuck their mind. You're going to get in there and whether or not they want to accept that information, the truth is. Every fourth tile on Facebook and Instagram is an ad. And if you can put yourself there, they don't need to follow you. They don't need to be fans of you. They just need to fall in the demographic, demographic of people that you're targeting, and then boom, you've got them. How about that? And then, when you've saved the world, you can sit around with all your buddies and your fucking Doc Martens and talk about how effective your Facebook advertising was rather than whinging about like, we go out and we do the work, but we're not seeing any change. Yeah, it's because people don't respond to being annoyed anymore. It's because the piece of paper that you have or card that you have written with whatever information that probably is correct, it doesn't have as much weight as something that's on a screen purely because we get so much information from everywhere. If I don't trust the internet where there is a lot of good information coming from, why the fuck would I trust someone with dreadlocks stopping me from getting extra pepper sauce on my burger? Why? you got to think. huh? you got to think. You want to beat criminals? you got to think like criminals. You understand? Look, the only reason I'm coming in with this tempo is because I just uh, listened to myself uh, to two of my podcasts and I realized that I can speak 1,500 words in one minute. 1,500 words in one minute. I was speaking so quickly in one of my podcasts about an idea that I had, I didn't even know what I was talking about. I had no fucking idea. I went on so many crazy tangents. I literally was like, man, I only know what this is about because I am you. So I'm trying to chill out. I'm trying to chill out a bit. This is me chill. Okay. Now onto what I actually wanted to talk about. Let me just caffeinate real quick. Beautiful. They changed their blender McDonald's and your boy's not angry, all right? Your boy's not angry. i tell you the best thing that McDonald's ever did, and this is coming from the heart. McDonald's started started to use sugar syrup instead of just putting syrup into the shot, because the crazy part about coffee is when you put sugar into it, you have to stir it. I know this from making literally thousands of coffees with my coffee van, and it seems bizarre to me that people who are I'm not going to say professional baristas, but let's break it down this way. You get paid to make coffee on a continuous basis, continuous, continual, continuous basis. That makes you a professional in your field. And if you're making coffee, that makes you a professional barista, right? You know, thereabouts. You should know, you should know that if you've put a shot into a cup and then you put milk into that shot, unless you're a fucking animal, you've lost too much temperature to properly dilute that sugar. And therefore, you're delivering a subpar product to a customer and you deserve to be taken out the back and shot, right? So just for future reference, and again, I've gone on a tangent, but stay with me here. If you're making coffee for someone, especially if you don't have sugar and you don't understand the, the techniques and, and you know what you need to, what am I trying to say here? If you don't, if you don't know the process of putting sugar into coffee, here's the trick. Pour the shot especially if it's an espresso machine you pour the shot into the cup you extract the coffee you put it into the cup you've got a shot sitting on the bottom you've got a lovely film of uh crema sitting over the top and you drop the sugar in that bitch don't get a spoon take your spoon and throw it out you get a small whisk and you whisk it in like that okay You stay with me Da-da-da. and then you put the milk in so you know what you've done you've essentially done what mcdonald's has done but the manual sense of it because mcdonald's takes an already diluted sugar and puts that into the shot and therefore you understand how it's mixed in. Otherwise, if you don't go through this process and you put that granulated sugar in the bottom of whatever at whatever point, especially if you don't mix it, what happens is the top two thirds of the coffee tastes not how you want it to taste and then that bottom third, bro, it's like drinking cheesecake. You just gotta think, what's the experience gonna be like for the end user now? Have I gone off the track? Yes. So I'm going to get this bitch back on the track. Okay, so for real though, I've been thinking about this thought for a while and this all started when I was in school at Port Hedland and I spoke a little bit uh, in a previous podcast about my time in Port Hedland and a particular teacher that uh, said something to me that that led me on a very interesting path. Uh, Similar time frame, different experience. I remember, um, so uh, I... At the fear of being racist, like, I just I just want to start this by saying, I, I'm just going to use the words that I know. If I use the wrong words, if I offend you, I'm sorry. This is all about offense. And I've actually kind of already said my point about eight minutes ago. But I was in a class, and this is actually bizarre to think. Actually, I might tell a bit of, bit of a story. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let, let, let me start fresh. So I was in school at St. Cecilia's in, a, I don't know what year it was what year, what, you know, what 2000 and something, but I think I was in year three or four and there was this interesting, interesting situation. There was this, as the news put it, leaky boat, like leaky boats off the coast of Australia, off the coast of Western Australia. And these boats had um, asylum seekers, right? And of course it's something that you heard on the news, but like as a child, it's like, you know, just whatever it is, what it is, it's just news. It's not anything specific. And anyway, I ended up by the end of that year, that we heard that on news, uh, on the news, the kids who were on that boat were in my school, and the crazy part is at the time I think, I think Port Hedland had two public schools and one private school, and I was in the private school, and um, the government put them in the private school, not the public school. I don't know why, I don't know why. That's not the point of the story, but I was in this peculiar situation where I was in a class, of like thirty students. And I think I was one of three boys. I was one of three boys. And I was one of two white kids. And everyone else was, you know, there was um, aboriginals, uh, Iranian, there may have been Iraqi. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But it was just a really interesting situation where like, I didn't, like, I'm not going to say I felt like the minority, but, I mean, as far as numbers are concerned, I was actually the minority, you know what I mean? Like, being a white male was somehow the least, you know, the, the lowest number. And it's funny because the other dude, one of the other dudes that I was in class with, he was also, like, super white. Like, I'm white, this dude was super white. Funny story, I remember we had to give a demonstration in front of the class, like, and it was one of those situations where it was, like, a show and tell, but it was also, like, a... You had to back it up with information, but it could be about whatever you wanted. It was more of a public speaking thing. And at the time, I was doing Taekwondo, and this kid's name was Nathaniel. And I was like, hey, man, do you mind? Like, I'm going to do Taekwondo because I do Taekwondo, you know, after school and whatnot. Can you come up and I'll do some Taekwondo on you? And he's like, yeah, man, yeah, of course. And, you know, like kids do, we didn't practice it at all whatsoever. And then I'm like, yeah, so... You know, I'm I'm a blue belt and like when I do Taekwondo, so you do patterns and like we have to practice this and then we do hand-to-hand. Co- and, and I was like, Nathaniel, if you could please come up. And then he comes up and it's like, Taekwondo is one of those sports, if you're familiar with it. And I'm also like 20 years out of being familiar with it. So if this is incorrect, forgive me. But they do these things where it's like, right, you grab here and then, now if someone grabs you here, what you can do is you come down here, the dirt and you, you know, it's like a very like you set up You set up the the, the practice. So you set up by like grabbing the wrist or grabbing the the whatever it is. Um, And then they show you how to get out of that particular situation. So actual practical use in the real world is fucking bizarre. But it's more to the point of like learning a skill and being able to go through the skill with someone. So I'm like, yeah, Nathaniel, come up here. And I'm like, so if someone were to grab you like this, you know, like put Nathaniel's hand on my thing and like that here's what you do and I just went full steam and I just dropped the fuck out of this kid on the ground. And he's like, oh my God. (laughs) So he gets back up and it's like, and also if someone does this on you and then he's like, you know, gone to like, I'm like go to punch me uh, like in the hip or something. And he's like gonna punch me in the hip and I just fucking drop him again, whatever I was doing. I remember like, I literally was just beating up Nathaniel like who was also taking it in front. Like Nathaniel and I were friends. We were the two white boys, of course we were friends. But he's like one of those friends where like he was the first person I met. So not the first person I met. He was like the first person that was kind to me. And like as a child who moved every fucking 10 minutes, it's like, you're my motherfucker now. You're going to be kind to me on the first day? Like we may as well share the same blood type, bro. We're in it. You understand? So him and I were tight and he'd like come around on the weekends and shit. But do you think that would stop me from fucking turning him into a potato in in front of a class? Like I fucking, I definitely did it. Anyway, off the point. So, what I was saying is, I was, uh, and look, I might be wrong with the exact numbers. It might have been a few more boys or a few more white kids or whatever. My mum would be able to tell me exactly, but, but the point is, I remember thinking to myself, like, you, like, I didn't, I wasn't, like, I didn't have any racist shit said or done to me. That's not what the point of this is. It's, I remember thinking back then with, like, what I saw as the, my, like, I had come from Kananara before that, where like, I was in a classroom of like, you know, 20 something and again, like, the minority was being white, you know? And I feel, <clears throat> I feel like, what are you chewing up? What's that? Oh, I guess she's fucking chewing that up. Sorry, that's my dog. Um, and I feel like, I remember back then I would I would make this distinction between like, obviously I understood that racism was a thing, right? Um, the direct application of how racism worked, I didn't understand because I knew that racism fell into this category of like someone would say or do something and then the other person would be upset about that. Now, in a physical sense, I can understand that if you punch me in the face, right? It hurts and you've got something to show for it. like. You know, I might have a bruise or you might go on the inside and my my tooth has cut my lip or, you know, the other person might even have, like, there's a physical exchange of what's going on. But if you say something to me and I get upset about it, that's as much of a decision as it is to, like, not take a piss if you're busting for a piss. You know what I mean? Like, you're putting yourself in a situation where, like, it's uncomfortable for or it's painful through that choice of deciding whether or not you're going to be like, you know, I don't like the way that sits. I don't like the way it makes me feel, Right and i know this is like hugely antagonistic for some people because no that's no you can't you fucking uh." chill just relax okay take a deep breath and let me explain myself the reason that i say this is because if you give me an argument to or for anything i can figure out a space in my mind where i can see the other person's opinion or i can almost defend the other person sometimes i used to say shit as a kid just that was fucking bizarre just for the sake of having to defend something I didn't believe in. And in that, you kind of see, like, hang on, if someone says that they're offended by something that I say, can't you just not be offended? Can't you just choose to either, like, and, and the, like this goes as simple, like, I'm asking people to be a problem solver instead of a problem. When I When I find myself offended by things, I ask myself to be a problem solver instead of the problem, because by someone taking offense to something... I see them, like if I take offense to something, I see me as the problem. I see me as, I always see me as being, if not the dumbest person in the room, at least the second smartest, which means there's someone in there that's fucking smarter than me. And in someone being smarter than me in the room, I have to assume, especially if they said the thing that I'm offended by, then surely. It must be from some place of knowing more than me, or maybe they're making a greater point, or maybe they're saying something that I don't understand right now, and it might take me the rest of my life to understand why they said it, whether or not it's backed by information, or whether it's backed by the fact that they're going through something traumatic, I probably am not coming from a space of ultimate intelligence or ultimate awareness of why that they, they said what they said. Now, obviously, there are some things that are blatantly racist, they're blatantly offensive, and that is what it is. But then you have to ask yourself, well, what's the source that it came from? Are they in a stable place? Are they looking to offend someone? Man, isn't it more fun to figure out like, can I reason myself out of the offense? Can I reason this into a joke? Can I reason this into something that won't ruin my day? And if I truly do want to take offense to it, Do I need to say anything about it? Will will ultimately, will saying anything about it get me to a place of acceptance or get me to a place of retribution or get me to a place where I can seek revenge? And if so, what the fuck is it for? What's it for? Man, it's all good. It's all good if you don't agree with me because I probably am wrong. And I mean, if you're taking offense to this, I ask you, can you reason yourself out of that offense? Can you put yourself in my shoes and listen to the words that i'm saying and see that i might be right in some light or even if you truthfully believe that i wrong i am wrong defend the fact that i might be right play devil's advocate to yourself and your own ideas man i just feel like there's so much room for growth when you do something like that you know i've got written down on my piece of paper here things to talk about the fact that we hold on to ideas that were given to us as child as children and we run our whole life with those ideas and let them define who we are and dictate the conversations that we have as an adult. If we take racism, for example, if you grow up in a racist household, you'll find that, that that child who grew up in a racist household may spend the first you know, quarter of their life not questioning at all, at all, whether or not that's correct. Especially if that household aligns with the society that it's actually in, you might find that that thought process never gets challenged because not only they're hearing it at home, they're hearing it with the people around them. So it doesn't even matter what's on the Instagram feed, what's on the news, what's being, what is you know known as general information in humanity. They'll stick by those racist feelings and those racist thoughts and those racist ways of doing things because that's just the way it's always been. You look at the human experience, you know, before the age of 10, I think it's like, Obviously, it ramps right down the older that you get, but before the age of ten, your neuroplasticity is wild. You know, this is you know, you can take a child and say the same thing to them every day, boop, 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 boop. By the time they're ten, they believe that thing. You know, my mum put this twisted idea in my mind that I can be fucking anything I want, and I grew up to to literally believe that. You know, so you imagine someone who is in a household that has that racism over and over and over and over and over and they get to a point where they're 23 years old and they say something around their friend their friends like dude what the fuck like what where is this coming from you might find that that's the first time their whole life they've ever been questioned on it and the crazy part about it is when they question themselves on that thing typically that can cause a tidal wave of like feelings and emotions and thoughts about everything that they've done in the past because they realize that not necessarily they've done something wrong, but they grew up with faulty information. And that information led them to, you know, make decisions, have conversations, do whatever that maybe they don't actually truly align with. And let's take racism out of the picture. I mean, it's a great example of what my mum did telling me that I can do anything and I can be anything. And the hardest part about the whole job is just figuring out what that thing is and then going and doing it. You know, I feel like part of the human experience is some sort of coming of awareness, coming of conscious, like finding that consciousness within yourself where instead of just running on the manuscript that your parents gave you or that your childhood gave you and allowing yourself to question things around you and allowing yourself to say like, well, what do I like and who do I like and why do I like doing these things and fill in the blank. I feel like sometimes we get We almost put ourselves in like a box or a cage of an idea of who we are. And I see a lot of people, a lot older than me even, still in that cage, still in that box, especially when they have some sort of comparative thing where they look at someone like me, who's young and, uh, you you know, not young, I'm 28, you know, but I'm chasing things. I'm doing things. I'm not happy with going and having a job. I'm not happy with just fucking my boss telling me that like, this is what we got to do today like dude what the fuck what the fuck I don't want to drive a truck today you know I don't want to shovel shit today I would rather be creating something today so I made a thing where I can go and create things and I can enjoy what I'm doing because I ask myself what I like doing and the bizarre part about that is when they when these older people compare themselves these older people that are in this box of who they think they are compare themselves to who I am and they say oh well that's just the way he was the way that I am is because I was in that box of who I thought I was. And I looked at the box. I looked at who I was when I gave myself these rules and these guidelines to live by, which are essentially the manuscript that I got given as a child. And I had a problem with it. Because that manuscript meant that I was another, I was another gear in the machine. I was another cog. I was another someone who said, oh, yeah, so we need to dig this hole today. Oh, we need to drive this truck today, whatever it is. It's crazy to think that those things that we get told as a child literally can determine everything we do as an adult. And we don't even know that those things that we got told as a child, sometimes we forget the experiences that we had as a child that dictate who we are as adults. On a side note, man, I know this is a good topic because I'm getting sweaty at the moment. Might be all the coffee I drink. You know, I noticed when probably around the age of 20 to 22 that every significant memory I had as a child every memory that I actually remember as a child, I had a little, I had a little shift in awareness, right? So one example that I always go back to in my own mind is, well, actually I've got two good examples if I remember what I'm talking about after the first one. So we were in the Malaga markets and I was with my dad and there was one of these situations where, you know, you get the I don't know, if you're around my age, you might remember this, but they used to have the wall of um, chocolate bars and they'd have heaps of different boxes. You have Mars bar, Snicker, this, that, the other, and you would get a little plastic bag and for X amount of dollars, you can put seven chocolates in there or 10 chocolates in there. So you're like, oh, you know, there's 20, 20 different types of chocolates. I could get one of those. I might get two of those. I get one of those and you're like, oh, fuck, I've only got two left or three left, whatever it was. And then you look over here and I was like, oh, but they've got redskins over here. And I go over there And I go to grab a red skin and put it in, dad's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He grabs me and he puts me back in front of the wall. He goes, this one, mate, only on this wall. And I remember that clear as day. And I think the reason I remember that is because for the first time I felt like there was actually a little bit of restriction in place as to what you're really allowed to do, right? So obviously there's rules like, you're only allowed to put 10 chocolates in the bag. You're only allowed to put 10 chocolates in the bag, but not any 10 out of the 10 that we tell you, right? So another example. I'm 10 years old. It's my 10th birthday, right? I'm getting off the bus in Wedgefield in Port Hedland. I was like one of the last kids to get off the bus. I was like maybe the fucking third or fourth last kid to get off the bus. And Port Hedland, if you're unaware, is hot as fuck. Like hot as fuck. Like 40 something degrees, right? So I'm getting off the bus. Everyone else has got off. We've been, we've done a few drops in Port Hedland. We've been all through South Hedland. Then we're going into Wedgefield, which is the industrial area. They pull up out the front of where my dad worked, a transport yard, I'm about to get off the bus and the bus driver, uh, who from memory, he was like, we were cool. You know what I mean? I think he, yeah, I think he, yeah, I think we were cool because like a short time before that, yeah, a short time before that, I'm pretty sure that bus driver caught me and a friend and I didn't instigate this. He fucking got me in on it, the friend. Um, he had like a fucking porno mag or something. I don't even know if it was a full porno mag. I think it was just a titty magazine, you know. And he, uh, we had it behind, I think, like a workbook or something, like a you know, a school book. And um, we were like laughing at shit and pointing, being like, "Oh yeah, maths is fun." <laughs> Flipping the page, and the bus driver caught us. And he didn't do anything about it. He might have even kept the magazine. He did. We weren't friends. He was just a fucking creep, you know. Anyway, I um, so yeah, I ended up getting off the bus. And this motherfucker pulls an ice cream out of nowhere and he's like, happy birthday, mate. And I thought to myself, that motherfucker didn't didn't give anyone else ice creams. He didn't give anyone else an ice cream. He gave me an ice cream because it's my birthday. And like, it wasn't like a thing where he gave anyone who was turning a certain age or whether it was a birthday an ice cream. It wasn't a thing like that. He gave me an ice cream because it was my birthday. And I think the reason that I remember that memory is because... For the first time, I saw that someone outside of my, you know, close vernacular, cared. They went out of their way to get me an ice cream. Like how the fuck did this man keep an ice cream at that temperature when it's 40 something degrees? I mean, these buses did not have air conditioning. They had the windows that you push out a little bit and that was it. It was one of those memories where as an adult, I would think about it all the time. And like, it was, it was like, it made me totally see that man in a, in a different light. It made me like, oh my God, like he's a smart person, not because he did something for me, but because, because he did something, because he had consideration, because he had this space in his mind and in his heart for me. It was interesting. And when I think about how that memory sits in my mind and why it sits in my mind, it is because there was some sort of awareness that he gave me in that moment and all the memories that i have as a kid seem to have that common trait it was a time when i was experiencing like i was experiencing life in a greater sense i was understanding that you know instead of me being in this video game that i'm actually in a video game full of people also experiencing the video game and in that i mean this is something that has always blown my mind people take themselves as serious as what you take yourself so they are as important to them as you are to you. And I think that was the first time that I started to comprehend what that meant. You know, while I didn't have that in my head at the time, that's essentially what it was. I was starting to understand like, damn, like he's actually like, he, he, he goes home and has a life. And part of that was when he came to work today to drive the bus for the kids to school, He brought an Esky and an ice cream for me because he knew it was my birthday. Because I was probably, I probably told him, you know, as kids did, like, oh, it's my birthday on Friday, you know? Well, kids, I still do it, you know? I'm only like a casual fucking 147 days away from my 29th birthday. I think that's more of an anxiety thing than it is an an exciting thing. And also, numbers, you know? But when I consider how that correlates to being an adult, I just feel like sometimes we let we let these ideas that we have or these experiences that we have just be what they are in our minds and we don't really like investigate them. We don't go, well, as a child, how did that change me? Or how did that make me think about things? Or does that affect me now? And sometimes we even let things happen as adults. Like I find that a lot of my, like, obviously when you, when you have a relationship with someone, um, especially when you live in a caravan with them. I'll just focus on, you know, the example of living in a caravan with my partner. I find that when I have, you know, when we have disagreements or whatever it is, sometimes I'll find that the disagreement is based off nothing more than me having a problem with not getting my way or, you know, essentially I am the seed of the problem. The problem has come from me not understanding myself enough. And if I can just for a second switch off the bullshit ego and zoom out of what's going on and just look at what's going on, you go like, oh, this is a fault in me, right? And when you realize that that fault is in you, typically we can undo that thread all the way back, all the way back, all the way back, and see exactly where it started. And most of the time it's from one of these experiences as a kid, whether it's how I viewed my parents in their relationship or whether it's how I how I connected with a certain person at school or how I connected with a certain teacher at school. And it's like, you go, well, hang on, how did a relationship you had with the teacher in school have anything to do with what you're doing now as an adult in an intimate relationship with a person? Well, if you've already put the guard up to say that it, those two things couldn't affect uh, affect each other, then fuck man, it's no point really researching it at all. I think there is definitely a correlation between anything that happened to you as a child and anything that's happening as an adult. The crazy part about it is I feel like well, not I, th- I feel like it, the what I from what I understand about the human experience from what I've learned off like Joe Rogan and shit is we have no idea how the brain works. We have no idea how trauma really affects us. And we have no idea how to fix trauma. And the thing is trauma starts from anything from, you know, like someone yelling at you when you were anticipating it as a kid to getting hit by a car, you know, and there's a massive like field or spectrum in between that Trauma lays within and sometimes that trauma can stick with us in a really weird way sometimes benign under the skin and then all of a sudden it pop out in the weirdest way because of the weirdest trigger and You know, I'm with that information. I am happy to say that there is You know, probably everything that happened to you as a kid is affecting everything that happens to you as an adult or how you respond or react to things as an adult and furthermore like spending time just breaking down situations that did happen to you recently and understanding like, or, you know, questioning, did they come from somewhere in the past where I had this happen or this happen or this happen? I, I think especially like, I remember having one moment where I was talking with a friend and this dude, of course, as I, as I don't with anything, I don't like naming names, but this dude is super fucking interesting he has his own interest um he has his own like thing going on like I do like I have black ink he has a thing and it's in this really particular field and industry and it started as this little thing and now it's fucking crazy it's crazy what he has got going on and when you talk to this person he's like he's almost like autistic he's almost autistic to talk to he's like when he talks to you He like starts and like again like if i'm using the wrong i don't want to cause any offense to anyone with autism it's not or or anyone who has child children with autism it's not what i'm going for just fucking listen he like he will as you're talking to him he'll glaze over he'll start looking off to the thing and you know he's listening to you the problem is he's listening to you and processing everything you're saying quicker than what you're saying all right and he goes off and then he comes back and then there's silence after you speak and then he speaks And you think he's completely on another planet and he comes back to you with with a perspective you've never thought of of the thing you're talking about and in a weird way when i speak to him i appreciate the fact that he doesn't look at me while i'm speaking purely because i relate to this motherfucker right and when he does what he does like he's the sort of person that's like oh i'll show you something right and then he'll start talking about something else and then halfway through the thing that he's talking about now, he fucks off or he starts walking in one direction and then you're like, do I, do I follow you? You're going into your bedroom, what's going on? And he's like, yeah, I didn't fucking stop talking, you know? So you follow him and you go into his room and then he pulls out the thing that he was going to show you and he shows you and explains everything why it's important and then the motherfucker full circles it back to the conversation he started having after the fact because it all relates to one another but when he started that conversation, you couldn't see how it was at all related or if it was going anywhere. And I relate to that. I relate to that so much because he's asking you to trust him as the audience and him as the entertainer in that particular moment to just stay on board. I'm not asking you to understand. I'm asking you to stay on board because by the end of it, this will all make sense. And you know what? One day we were sitting down eating dates and peanut butter, drinking coffee. And I found out that he moved around as a kid as well. He moved every year. Boom, 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 boom. And him and I just sat there, not looking at each other, having a conversation. And I realized, for fuck's sake, we're exactly the same. And that's probably got something to do with it. It's probably got something to do with it. And you know what this guy doesn't do? Put himself in a box as to who he is and the sort of person that he is. It's as if he doesn't know all the time. And that's the beauty of it. That's the fucking beauty of it. Man, it's actually kind of like it's refreshing. It makes you question like, well, if he's got that going on, what the fuck have I got going on? It's interesting. So with that in mind, you know, I've touched on some, some interesting things with that in mind. I really do make it a hobby of mine to continuously try not to put myself in a box as to who I think I am. And even like, I know I break the fourth wall a lot on this podcast where I talk about the podcast itself, but even posting things online, I just, like, especially this podcast where I have to delve into an idea and I actually have to talk about it and I have to have an opinion and I have to back it up with these thoughts that I have that I consider to be information. I have to be fearless and courageous and say it, right? But part of that is having some idea as to who you are. And then when I get this anxiety about posting these ideas or posting this, this crazy thing about, like, you have to, you know, choose to take offense to something to be offended by something, To put that out there is to do two things in my mind. It's to say, I'm actually sure about this, and it's actually saying, I actually have no idea. And that's the fun part. That's the fun part. I feel like if I had any fucking idea who I was, I couldn't sit here and tell you it because to be so dead set on what you are means that you're never gonna learn. I feel like, dude, even when people bring up, uh, you know, there's this great meme. uh, It's not a great meme, it's like a fucking great inspirational quote that, you know, 24 year old white chicks post all the time. But, you know, it's the it's the thing where where it says, you know, oh, man, you fucking changed. It's like, yeah, that's the point of living. It's to progress. It's not even to progress, because progress means you have to get better. But it is changing. It's about finding out what fucking works and what doesn't. And you're allowed to be smack bang smack bang, in the middle of a thought process that's occupying your life right now that doesn't work. Because you might have to go through this to get to a point where you realize that that was the wrong thing. Sometimes the best way of learning is doing, even if it is doing the wrong thing. This This goes back to a podcast that I released, whatever number it was. You're better off doing things that you don't like than doing nothing at all. And if you're in the middle of doing something that doesn't work, man, I've had relationships that I wasted a whole fucking year of my life with. But man, I know what to fucking avoid in the future. I know what to avoid in the future because of that. I know 10 things to avoid in the future because of that. And the crazy part about, I mean, this ties back into the offencing. If you see someone who is offending you in this moment, And it might be some stupid 19 year old who has some bullshit idea about something that you know they don't know what they're talking about. Let them have the idea. Let them believe it. Let them run with it. If they're not hurting anyone physically, let them run with it, right? Because you'll probably run into them when they're 25 and 26. They'll see you with a tail between their legs thinking, fuck, I hope they don't remember me as as that thing. You know the best thing you can do? You shake shake their hand, look them in the eye, bring them in, You know, show them that if there was any need to forgive them, you forgive them and move forward because that's what the fuck it's about. It's about changing. It's about progressing. It's about getting better. It's about getting worse and then better. You know, it's like even people who have been through the absolute fucking extremes of addiction. If they're quite obviously not in that spot anymore, sometimes when they are in that spot, when they're addicted, obviously they need a hand and you might be the hand that brings them up, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when they come out of it you would think differently of them because I've been through addiction. Dude, they know not to do that thing anymore. They're out of it. They done it, they did the thing, they did the bad thing, they realized that who they were in that situation wasn't what they wanted otherwise they would still be there. They make corrective actions and now they're out of it. Motherfucker, they win. By you not talking to them, you actually kind of cut yourself out of this ability to understand what they've been through. You cut yourself out of the the opportunity to question what that was like and the actions that they took so maybe you can help yourself in the future. You've actually kept yourself inside that box of who you think you are based off your childhood actions because you think that being around them might put some bad blood into yours or it might, you know, add some shit into the mixture that you don't want. But in reality, it would only enrich it. Bizarre. What an interesting fucking thing. I think I learned something by saying all this stuff out loud, which is the fun part. Isn't that cool when you learn something through practical, like, application? It's kind of like I remember when I was skating. Some of the best, uh, some of the times where I would learn the most is when I had to teach someone else what I was what I was doing. Because a lot of times it forced you to think about what you were doing, and that's a crazy part. I remember like some dudes would be really good at skating, and you'd be like, "Oh, how do you do this?" And they're like, "Oh, I don't know. You, you, like, I do. Like, when when I so when you when you come you come into the corner, and then I think that you what the fuck is wrong with you? Do you know how your brain and your body works? Like, are you able to like?" yeah, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I think uh, that's definitely a fun part of life is figuring out things as you talk and also just fucking throwing ideas out there, throwing ideas out there. You know, sometimes you, you think some wild shit and then you say it out loud and you're like, whoa, that wasn't, that wasn't what I meant. When, I, when Saying that out loud sounds totally different to when I say it in my mind. And other times you say some wild shit and it's like you were meant to say it. It's like that was always your voice. And up the whole time up until now, you've been using someone else's voice. You've been repeating someone else's ideas. And then for the first time, you had an original thought. And it accidentally slipped out because it went past that little filter, that little wall. And it slipped out. And then you realize, oh, goddammit, that's who I am. That's what I do. You know, that's what I do. And then you execute that furthermore because you kind of get addicted to it. That's where I'm at right now. You know something, this podcast is like one of two things for me. It's extremely scary and it's also super invigorating. Like I feel that you can probably even pick it in the previous podcast. Like I get into this rhythm where I like, I've been in the rhythm, like I've got 50 seconds left of what I need to do for this podcast to make it 45 minutes and I could keep talking for another hour. This is crazy, like I'm in the pocket. And then other podcasts, like I've looked at the, like... I think 007, I recorded that three times and like the first two, like the first one, especially it was recorded in three different segments because there was shit going on. I was losing my train of thought. It was just, it just wasn't the day for it. And unfortunately, like one of two things was happening. I was trying to make it work, but I was also not listening to the signs that it wasn't going to work that day. And then the second time I did it full of anxiety talking about weird shit, like not interesting shit, just weird shit. And then after the fact, getting so full of like fucking chest pain and that, that I'm like, oh, I just I just can't release it. I can't. I got to record it again. You know, I have to record it again. And then you record it again, and it's all fine. But then other times, you just, you know, you fucking you're out in the ocean and you start paddling, and then five minutes in, you fucking see a wave behind you, and you just get up on the board and you're fucking <laughs> cruising. You know what I mean? You're cruising for forty five minutes, sitting in the barrel, just letting it fucking. I don't know surfing terminology. I don't know why I went with that analogy, but. We're here, baby. Now, mm. yeah. I just need to say as well I said in Podcast 008 that this is available on all streaming services. It is available on all streaming services besides iTunes Podcasts. They take a little minute to uh, accept you or whatever. So don't look for me on iTunes. Look for me on Spotify. Look for me on, uh, I think it's Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcast, I think there's one called Deezer. I'm available all throughout. And uh, if you're having any troubles with that, message me, let me know what's going on. Also, this is the new, um, what is it? Break the law, follow the rules shirt. It's got a cool little bloody graphic on the back of the old puppies. This is uh, now available on my website. It went live on Monday, the yesterday of July, 2021. I think it's like the third or fourth. This is now available online and this is genuinely my new favorite top i fucking love this blue i love the dogs on the back i love what it says break the law follow the rules if you don't know what that means yeah that's all good that's on you you know what i mean anyway do me a favor if you made it this far like and subscribe drop me a comment tell me which part you liked tell me which part you didn't like i know i've said some Some things, you know, this is probably the podcast that won't cause me any hassle now, but it will fucking ruin my, ruin my career later on. So that's all good. That's all good. Anyway, mum, if you're watching, I love you. I miss you. Everyone else. Thanks for watching. I'll see you later. (coughs)